I think the best place to start here is last week. New York Community Bank Corp came out with some earnings that had everybody talk. I mean, the the its own stock fell by you know almost fifty percent at one point, and it's down again today. It took the entire com- uh, regional bank index down with it, and that's down again today. But basically, what they said was. We've got these two commercial real estate loans that created a nine-fold increase in charge-offs. And everybody went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What are you talking about here? So, Ken, from your perspective, I think the big question in everybody's mind, has something changed over the last, say, couple months where before now, everybody's kind of just been waiting. We know commercial real estate's going to be a problem. You and I talked about this before. But has something changed over the last couple of months that would represent maybe the start of something going on? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Well, first of all, commercial real estate is a troubled asset class. There's no question. I I mean, you all you have to do is is look at what interest rates have done. So and, you know, the entire value, the capitalization rates or cap rates, all of that stuff is based on what people are willing to pay, and obviously what that uh, largely has to do with what the rates are. So so this has been going on for a while, Jeff. It's not, it's not for me, it's not a surprise at all. The, I think what, ha- what what's, you know, I'm dealing with this every day. We're, we're on the phones almost every single day. Uh, we've got uh, about $2 billion in uh, assets, and you know we're on the we're on the horn with with uh, a lot of our lenders and and actually I'm flying to New York in two weeks to talk to many 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 more, and so what's happening is the the banks have already pulled back. So if I'm going to try to buy something today, let's say, you, you know we're looking at fifty fifty five percent loan to value now. So the banks that's a obviously what. A lot of people would call a sign or a red flag, you know, so they, you know, just to put that in perspective, that that would have been 65, 70, 75 percent, you know, just a couple of years ago. So a lot of these loans are coming due. And so you've got maturity, obviously, is an issue for both debt and for equity. And don't forget, a lot of the equity that is in some of these, uh, let's just pick on the commercial office buildings. Those buildings uh, typically have managed equity. So if, if if you're looking at a tall building like this and you have a capital stack, let's say, the first, let's say, 50 to 60% is debt. The next percentage is various forms of equity. Well, that equity's gone because interest rates have gone up and cap rates have also gone up. So currently there's not enough value uh, to support the debt. And that's the real problem. And, and what we just saw in 2023 is it all got exposed and people have now run out of cash largely. And they're, they're doing cash calls and people are coming in trying to save these things. And the new investors or new investment groups are trying to figure out, do they even want to be in the, these deals or not? Most of them they're passing on. And so what, what's happening is this, this is just a natural progression. If, if a bank has a loan that's due, their, the value of that loan is the loan is higher than the value of the property. That that's the the situation. And we are in my opinion if this is a 9 inning game, you know, we're in inning 2 or 3. Yeah, I think that's what most people I don't know if that's their sense or if just lack of information it's kind of feels like it's early in the process. 
But I wonder how many people are just kind of, you know, fingers crossed, hoping everything goes really well. (laughs) Because it's just, hey, if we have, if we don't hear anything bad, then it must be going okay. But what you're saying is that, you know, we're still trying to work out what what really the where the trouble spots are. And from what you just said, I think the, the the alarm bell that rung in my head is that even the investors who do have liquidity, who do have cash, are saying. We're kind of sitting on the sidelines. Let's kind of see where everything goes and wait that out. Which, I mean, if you're if you're an investor who has cash, you don't want to buy now. You want to buy when everything goes down and come in and pick up on all the bargains. So, right. It's, right. It's a good time to look. Uh, it's a really good time to look because there's distress. And, you, you know, when, when uh, you're not going to be able to buy it from the partnership because they're going to try to you know, save themselves and save the equity. So you really, the process really needs to be just like it was in 08 when I went through this. The, the you know, first the equity has to go um, and that's going to make its way into the 401ks, pensions, retirement plans, insurance, all that stuff. You know, cause and would, the, that re- would that require a wave of foreclosures or some kind of public um, signal that this is going on? Or can this be worked out in private? Can it be like just a bespoke arrangement? Will yep. we get a sense that this process is moving in that direction? That's a great question. Uh, it's going to be done mostly privately. It's going to show up, however, in obviously people's statements, in their quarterly statements. And, you know, the I, I don't think, you know, People really understand it. There's there's nothing that no, can be fixed. understands this at all. That's it's it's a really opaque process, which is why we're all kind of looking for help yep. here. It can't be fixed, and here's why: the only thing that can fix it, Jeff, is lower interest rates. That's it. Because what happens is the the values when when rates got down to basically zero, it created a bubble. And people bought at that price. That's it's really that simple. And you know, and so the prices were significantly higher two years ago. And I would say that they're twenty to thirty percent less, maybe even forty in some cases. And it depends on the asset class. But so if you're a long term holder and you're cash flowing, it doesn't really even matter. It's it's almost like buying a home and you're still making the payment. And the value went down. It's not a big deal if you don't have to sell. It really isn't. And, and the issue becomes if the loan or the debt matures, so mostly on the loan side. So so those commercial banks that lent, and mostly these are small and regional banks that, that lend on this money, they are exposed significantly depending on what they've loaned into. So if certainly if they've loaned into the office building market, you know, that's getting clobbered because of the work from home and, you know, the vacancies. I mean, I was talking to a guy this weekend. He had an office building in San Francisco and one in Phoenix, and his rent was a million dollars a year. And um, and he wasn't even going there because his employees now all work from home. So he's just waiting for those leases to burn off. And so you're starting to see these leases burn off. And, those, you know, there's a lot of folks that are just are they've changed the way they do business and they're they're not going to go back into these office buildings. What that does is it lowers the occupancy, of course, and lower occupancy means lower revenue. And, and so now they're going to struggle paying just your your normal expenses, which are taxes, insurance, utilities and all that, in addition to the mortgage. So. You know, you, there's a certain break even on these 
buildings and and they're probably in the 50 to 70 percent depending um now that would be debt plus expenses and once you start to get your revenue below that you you know you're you're in default you you, you and so so that's that's well, Ken, coming just, that's i think that's where uh, i think a lot of the question is because yeah you i think you've raised this issue before shadow vacancy which is as you were yep. just saying there's there's office buildings that have leases but nobody's there and everybody knows as soon as the lease is up there's no way to replace it there's no demand for of space and then the companies who have these leases they're just going to walk away from they're not going to re-up because they don't need them so I, get, I get the process okay so then the leases they come up nobody leases them so what happens then if you're a building owner your leases go down your cash flow goes down and at some point don't you have to start working with the bank or do you just walk away from the property and say i'm done i can't make this work what is the next kind of steps yeah. here yeah the answer is yes <laughs> you know um yeah you know, the very first thing that will happen is the bank will contact the owner and they'll say okay you know because the, don't forget there's certain reporting that we have to do uh you know to our banks and the banks know all about my financials and and you know they're constantly looking at the at our projects and, and you know because that's what the banks are supposed to do so banks know Exactly. And so they, you get put on a watch list, let's say, and, and, uh, they're like, okay, they, they're watching your cash reserves go down. They're watching your occupancy, um, you know, go down. And, and also let's don't forget, in addition to the, the debt problem and the occupancy problem, you've got expenses have gone up a lot. So, you know, we're getting clobbered on insurance. We're getting clobbered on property taxes. We're getting clobbered on expenses and most people don't care, but at the end of the day, it just adds to the problem. And so, you know, so when rates go up, so imagine like, like, uh, I'll just give you a great example. I have, uh, two projects under construction. Now you, I started these three years ago, you know, it takes a long time to build, these these bigger projects our rates at the time were somewhere in the four to five percent at the time right now they're in the eight to nine percent because they're floating rate and so so as rates go up the cost the monthly cost or the annual debt cost on the exact same loan you know go up a lot you know, and, and so um, I was playing golf with a friend of mine two weeks ago, and he said that on one deal that he has, his, his debt costs went from $250,000 a month to over five hundred per month. And you just can't make that up anywhere. You know, your rents aren't going up that much, and you can't cut expenses that much. So the debt costs have made it so hard for people to be able to hold these kinds of assets. And, and so there's no solution for the banks, uh, only lowered in interest rates. Yeah, and then, well, I think the the real issue is how do we know where all of these faults? Like, because we have no information, we have no public information. That's why I think the New York Community Bank Corp news was such a shock because that was one of the first ones that said, "Yeah, there, we all know there's a problem, but let's put some numbers on it." So let me ask you that, Ken. Do you have a sense of where? Not, I mean, you said is you know we're in maybe the second inning here, but do you have a sense of? how widespread these difficulties are. Is it just the office towers? Is it just, you know, San Francisco and New York? Or are we seeing things in like uh, some core markets that maybe you wouldn't necessarily look, uh, associate with big real estate? How widespread is this issue of really cash flow meeting that, that debt threshold and 
getting us closer to the point where business or, or building owners or property owners just say it's just not worth the hassle anymore. I think, yeah. as you said, well, I, the, the important point is in everything, liquidations, forced selling. That's where the real, you, forgive me, the shit hits the fan is when everybody's forced to sell. And that's, I think we're trying to figure out where that is. So, I mean, in your sense, how widespread is the issue? It's it's widespread, but it's also um, I, I you know it's solvable in, in so many ways. So so um, I think if you drew a line in the sand from uh, let's say when when if if anything got bought in let's say the last two years for sure two and a half to three years anything you had higher values you had higher loans. And you um, had uh, low interest rates. Okay. So if you just put everything in that category, does, and that could be, you know, a lot of small regional banks. Believe it or not, some of the big boys, some of the big banks um, are actually very, uh, not very much exposed in, in a lot of these. A lot of these. And, and I think a lot of people, when they think of where the problem is, you know, the office buildings are easy to point at, obviously. But it it it's everywhere. It's anything that was new construction, like like the like what I just ex explained. Um, you, you know that increase on the construction loan affects cash flow. So anything that's newly being built, that's all in some sort form of distress. You've got uh, you, you know you have a lot of regional centers as far as like regional malls are actually dying on the vine. And so, you know, as those stores, uh, you know, start to go away, I'm, I'm talking about big stores, you know, like Kmart, Macy's, Sears, JCPenney's. Those are gone. So a lot of people grew up with those. Those are gone. And so when those are gone, the smaller, uh, the, the smaller stores in those areas also um, die on the vine. Now, that's because of, you know, call it the Amazon effect or, you know, whatever it might be where you know, people order stuff and come straight to the door. So there's just a whole bunch of things going on at once. Um, you, you know, uh, and and I, I I think that you know it's it's regional largely, and it's uh, it depends a lot on what the banks did on those particular asset classes. You said that the bank banks are now demanding a little bit more equity to refinance. Uh, are you finding that there are fewer banks that are even willing to take your phone calls? And I'm, and I'm, you're, you, you they'll probably take your phone call. But let's let's say somebody else in your position who, or somebody else in the same business who's not in necessarily the same position, are we finding fewer banks that are willing to roll over debt? Are they are they hanging up the phone and saying, "Call me in two years if you're still around"? So it's it's a great question. I. Well, first of all, I don't think that most people have the ability to refinance. So that's that's a huge point. So just imagine, let's say I bought something that was a hundred million dollars two years ago. Well, I would have let's say put seventy million of debt and thirty million equity in a property like that, let's say. Okay. So now let's fast forward that exact property uh two years later. That property is probably worth seventy million. So, now again, if it's cash flowing, I don't. It doesn't really matter to me, honestly. I mean, yes, I've lost thirty million in value, but it only matters if I have to sell. So, if I can hold it through that period of time, and I this happened to me in 08, 05, 06, 07, 08, uh, you know, nine, ten, I was. You know, this is the same kind of stuff that happened. Values do go up and down. So, but let's just go back to that example. 
So now that property is, let's say, worth 70%. And I'm trying to buy it now. Okay, let's say that person's trying to sell it. Their equity's gone, obviously. That $30 million's gone. Now it's worth $70 million. The bank's probably going to loan maybe 55, 60% on that. So let's say they loan 40, let's say they loan $50 million. It doesn't really even matter. Now that person has to come up with $20 million to buy it. So $50 million loan, $20 million equity. The real issue is the person that's selling. Now, because I'm going to, if they're lucky, I'm going to buy it for 70, which is just their debt, if they're lucky. But more than likely, a lot of people are going even lower than that. So if, if I think it's worth 60, then that seller now has a $10 million problem, right? The equity's gone. And so the bank has a problem and the seller has a problem. So that's the real issue is, you know, the, the whole the whole market is determined by cap rates or capitalization rates. And cap rates were down in the 3 and 4% range, and now they're in the fives. Hey, so Ken, just what, for people's, um, their own uh, understanding, could you explain the cap rates for them? Because I think that's, of course. like you said, that's a key issue. And I think people may not have heard that term yeah. before. And even if they have, yeah. they may not yeah. get it straight. It's a great question. Okay, so uh, so you with with any commercial real estate, actually any business, you've got your income and you've got your expenses. And after that, it's called net operating income or NOI. So all banks lend on that. That's really important piece. And so let's say there's a $1 million NOI, $2 million in revenue, $1 million in expenses. You got a $1 million NOI. Okay. So when the bank's looking at investing into the, a project, they're looking at that because that's actually what's going to pay back their debt is that $1 million. So. All of that determines the price, of course, and as debt goes up, then, of course, the bank's going to lend less, you know, because your cash flow is less. And so the banks always look at that NOI. As that, as, as the banks start to lend less, I'm talking about loan to value, then um, what happens is the price of the property goes down. And so the price of the property divided into the NOI is the capitalization rate. So the capitalization rates are, they, they vary from, from uh, municipality to municipality. They're typically lower in downtown core and, and they're typically a little higher in the rural areas. But the, but the, the, the point is, is that cap rates have gone up, you know, at least 20, even uh, 30 basis points. So if, if a cap rate goes from four to five, that's a 20% reduction in value. So because let's say if you divide 4% into the 1 million, that's one number. If you divide 4% or 5% into 1 million, that's another number. So all things being equal, the NOI stayed the same. So just the cap rates have gone up because, it, and it all has to do with the debt. And there's another rabbit hole that I promise not to go too far down, but that's uh, the debt service coverage. So, you know, typically banks, let's say there's a million dollar NOI, a bank might only lend they're 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 solvent to their 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 debt payment. So maybe they're solvent to six hundred thousand, and they're saying you know there's a four hundred thousand dollar cushion there. We'll, we'll we'll lend up to six thousand or six hundred thousand, let's say. So what they're doing is they're backing into that you know because they have the rate, and then they they look at the loan to value, and they're 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 really working off that net operating income because what's going to pay a bank back is the NOI. 
And so all of that's happening kind of behind the scenes. And as the interest rate goes up and as the debt cost potentially goes up, then your cash flow is going down. So you have a value that's going down and you have a cash flow going down, even though the property might be performing the same as it was, you know, a year or two ago now. And then on top of that, you also have operational issues like work from home, the higher expenses, you know, occupancies uh, obviously have gone down in a, in a lot of spots. So, you know, it's, 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 it's not so black and white, but the bank looks at the whole picture. Are we, are we, are there's a risk as we just talked about with shadow vacancies for something like an NOI shock, right? Because as you're saying, as a lot of these leases come up that companies don't need, they don't renew them, cash flows are going to go down on the margins. It may not be a huge amount. Maybe it is a huge amount. So not up, not operating uh, surplus goes down. At the same time, values are going down. So doesn't that mean cap rates are going to have to go way up necessarily? It's, it's potentially it's a, a shock here. It's a great point. So, yeah, so there'll be different cap rates for different kinds of asset classes. So... If, if, for example, if, if there's a market where everybody wants to be in it and the occupancies are high, then your cap rates are going to be lower. But then there's going to be markets where cap rates are going to go up where nobody wants to be. You know, we'll just pick on Portland, let's say downtown or pick on San Francisco or pick on Seattle, which is, you know, where I'm from. You, you, you know, you, you, I have friends that obviously I grew up in Seattle and, and I did a lot of commercial real estate in Seattle and, and, and you know, while downtown Seattle is probably not where anybody wants to be, you know, just in the suburbs uh, is not so bad. It's actually a lot of people moved out of the core into the suburbs and put pressure on those markets. So, so a lot of it depends, you know, it's uh, the thing about real estate is it's, it's not a national issue. It's a, it's very localized little business. And, and as, as, as we have layoffs, you know, I know we're going to kind of touch on this labor market, but as you start to see 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 layoffs in these particular markets or, or um, you know, that's definitely going to affect not only office, but multifamily, single family. Obviously, you've got people that are, are being displaced, uh, and whether they get a new job or something else or they move, who knows. But the you know, all of that is, is – um, it has to do, you know, with the performance. I always tell people, you know, without people, real estate doesn't do very well, right? So as things, you know, change, uh, so do the economics of the real estate itself. Okay. I want to go back to one thing because we, I, I, I interrupted you as you were going through your example. And I think this is an important one about the, the seller, the guy who has lost his $30 million equity. And now the the potential buyers are coming in and saying, I'm only going to give you 60. So he's got a right. hundred million dollar property. He's already lost 30 million in equity. Now he's getting offers that are 10 million below what his debt is. So now we've got the seller who's really motivated not to sell. We've got the bank who is really motivated not to do anything. And you've got buyers who are motivated to only buy up at the worst, uh, at the lowest possible price. And you can't blame them for that. So it, it kind of sounds like we're at a standstill. That does seem to describe the situation that we think that we're seeing where nobody wants to do anything and everybody's just kind of hanging on for one thing or another to shake everything loose. How? So my question to you, Ken, is just from your perspective, or not from your experience, obviously not your perspective, but how long can, say, the guy who owns the property who's underwater now, how long can he hang on? How long would the bank be willing to hang on and say, 
I see all these metrics going the wrong way, and now the properties, the the offers that we're getting to to, to buy your property are well below the debt level. How long can all of that just kind of stay in stasis for you know, for lack of nobody, the incentives not being to sell the thing? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing it's it, obviously if you don't have to do anything, you're not going to. Right. And that's so a that, function of cash flow, right? If you've got the correct. cash to cover the yeah. debt, then you can just everybody's yeah. just going to be like, hey, just let's not do anything. Right. So if you have cash flow and your values are down, you're fine. Right. You're, you're absolutely fine because it's like selling a stock. Right. Like, you, you know, if you sell it at a loss, it's a loss. But if, if you hold it long enough, you know, it's possible that it can go back up and things change. So so if you have the cash flow and the values are down, you're in fine shape. So then the yeah. question becomes, what interrupts the cash flow? So if you're just hanging on there, and then we have, like we said, where some of your leases come due and nobody replaces them, suddenly your cash flow goes down. Now everything starts to get set in motion. So there is an economic, it does seem to be there is some kind of economic course, uh, relationship there. But also, um, the other thing would be refinancing, right? So you're fine on a cash flow basis, but the bank is saying, you know, you took out a three-year bridge loan that's coming due, and suddenly the bank is like, okay, you're. How would you think that the bank would be more willing to? Let's say they have a short-run maturity this year sometime, and the situation is, cash flows are somewhat questionable, but they aren't yet below a certain debt level or the debt service level. Would the bank be willing to work with that property owner, even though it would be a huge risk? Or are you seeing some of these banks saying, I don't, you know, I don't know what I want to do here, but I don't really want to refinance this thing. Huge thank you to Ken McElroy for stopping by and sharing his incredible insights into all of these important topics. There's a whole lot more to that conversation, all about commercial real estate, funding, forced selling, as well as the general economy, what's happening in the labor market from Ken's deep inside perspective. The rest of that conversation, the video, that's available to Eurodollar University members and subscribers. And if you aren't a member or subscriber already, there is a whole lot there waiting for you. Not only do we have Ken's great conversation, there are others that we've just had recently with people like Hugh Henry, Principles of the Madhouse, or Jim Rickards, the inside story to 1998's LTCM and why it matters today, Macro Elf, Mike Green, Brent Johnson, and those are just the conversations that we've had. There's also a ton of material, background information, what the euro dollar is, why it matters, how it's supposed to work, how money is supposed to work, and what money is today. And then on top of Eurodollar University memberships, there are also these research subscriptions. What's happening now? The daily briefing that gets you updated every day, the biggest macro news, as well as developments in the marketplace, and the deep dive analysis, where we take those topics far deeper to really understand what is happening, why it's happening, and why it matters. And just for you, we're putting together a special unadvertised sale, bundling all of these together. Get your membership, your daily briefing subscription, as well as the deep dive analysis, all for one low price. There's a ton of information and content available for Eurodollar University members and subscribers. The good the conversation we just had with Ken, great conversation, great detail, great information. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So if you want to check it out, link in the description, unadvertised sale. As always, I thank you very much for joining me, and I'll see you again next time.